This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. How's the sound now? I'm using this uh, new microphone. Is that good? All right. It's good to see some of you at the weekend uh, retreat sponsored by uh, the Barry Center, in which we uh, discussed Seth Siegel's book on Buddhism and human flourishing. I thought I would continue with some of that discussion uh, today, uh, go over it for those of you who weren't able to attend, and to uh, review some of it in uh, preparation for the uh, readings we're doing uh, from Joko's book and see how they uh, interact or dovetail with it some of these ideas. Siegel's basic uh, thesis is that uh, Buddhist modern, <coughs> excuse me, Buddhist modernism has moved away from the traditional uh, Buddhist picture of the nature of suffering and salvation that was characterized by home leaving, asceticism, renunciation, and an idea of extinction. and towards a different kind of picture of what practice is and what it's for that is fundamentally Aristotelian. Now, in a certain way, it's odd to imagine all these contemporary Buddhists are closet Aristotelians. But it's in a certain way, he's saying something like, uh, they're all speaking prose and don't realize it. Uh, he's saying something like, the values that we find in Aristotle's ethics actually are deeply ingrained in our culture and have now re-emerged in the way we practiced after having been uh, submerged by, essentially by Christianity for the last couple thousand years. Christianity and Buddhism actually share 
a kind of core belief in something like original sin. Uh, in Christianity, uh, Augustine identified that with sexual desire, but still you had a sense that our ordinary human desires were fundamentally tainted and that we had to undergo a long and arduous process of transforming our orientation from fulfilling our own personal individual will towards God's will. And Buddhism, of course, also has this kind of picture of a fundamental flaw uh, in that vocabulary. It's a fundamental delusion. But again, there's a sense that the root of suffering is something like desire, not uh, narrowed down to sexual desire, but to self-centered clinging or attachment. And one way or another, there's a kind of uh, assumption that people have within them a kind of uh, basic design flaw that left to themselves, they are not pursuing their own best interests and fall into suffering. And that the way out of suffering uh, requires a kind of um, radical reorientation of life at its most basic levels. And in the traditional uh, uh, Buddhist monastic model, This meant transforming your form of life through home leaving, the severing of personal and family ties in order to live a life of asceticism in which the lifestyle itself was an attempt to model the realities of impermanence and interdependence. No possessions, living by alms, not having a fixed home or abode. A kind of life reduced to bare essentials to wear out this kind of perverse will towards attachment and clinging and possession, trying to hold on to things that were intrinsically impermanent, ungraspable. And that our very sense of self was an amalgam of this kind of uh, grasping, a kind of uh, refusal to see reality as it is. Now, Aristotle had a very, very different uh, perspective. And one of the things that you could say was most radical about him as a philosopher is that uh, he championed 
moderation instead of uh, radical extreme solutions. His was an ethic not of renunciants or saints, but basically of what we would call householders, of citizens in the polis, the city-state. And the good life was not something that was attainable only by near superhuman efforts of renunciation or asceticism or practice of some kind, but was a model of normal development. How does a person grow into being a good person, a good citizen, someone who, in his words, is flourishing? Now, Greek society in Aristotle's time still had Homer as the uh, providing the basic models uh, for what counted as virtues. But those virtues were heroic virtues, the virtues of warriors. And the Iliad begins saying, sing of the wrath or the anger of Achilles. Achilles was a hero precisely because he was an extraordinary, wrathful killing machine. He was possessed by a god. And it made him something more than human. And in a, in a certain sense, the ethics of that time were molded around this uh, kind of heroic image. And it wasn't something that was um, completely uh, antiquated or mythological. Uh, Aristotle was the tutor of... Uh, Alexander of Macedonia, Alexander the Great. And Alexander uh, explicitly modeled his own life on Achilles to be a warrior hero who was going to conquer the world, even if it meant paying the price of dying young. So that kind of uh, ethical image was... Uh, alive and well and active in uh, Aristotle's time. But he was proposing something very different. And it was a model that uh, we today would um, mostly think of in developmental terms. It was about growth and the development of capacities and how that happens. He used the word arete, which gets translated as virtue, but it means uh, abilities, capacities, uh, qualities that uh, we value 
and need to develop, that they don't exist innately, but they are a result of practice. And the Greek word for character is, is also the, the word for habit. Who you were was what you practiced doing. What did, how, what did you value? What did you try to develop in yourself? What kind of person were you trying to be? And how did you go about doing that? And his virtues were those of the citizen. There was courage, but also self-control or moderation, practical wisdom, understanding what needs to be done in particular situations. And the way he defined uh, virtues was that they were always found at a middle point between extremes. And his idea was that any virtue carried to an extreme becomes a vice. Courage carried to an extreme becomes foolhardiness. Carried to the other extreme is cowardice. And the same with all these kinds of uh, virtues of uh, who we are, are trying to be and become. And Aristotle doesn't start with a sense of intrinsic delusion or badness or defect that we have to overcome. It's much more the developmental model and a question of how does a child grow into an adult? What kind of resources and influences do they need to become everything they're capable of, of being? Now, Siegel's uh, thesis is basically that as contemporary Buddhists, we carry with us the language of traditional Buddhism about the extinction of desires in the self, a language that was based on the notion of enlightenment is the cessation of rebirth, that practice is a radical break with daily with ordinary life and we carry around these ideals or metaphors but that in fact they're really um, not at all congruent with how we live or how we really think about ourselves and i spoke about the basic difference in there is sort of the difference between a model of subtraction and a model of addition. That the traditional picture is what do we have to get rid of in order to free ourselves of delusion, of self-centeredness, of desire, ultimately of rebirth, right? Whereas the contemporary 
an Aristotelian model is how can we develop ourselves in ways that we value? How do we become who we want to be? And I've often uh, talked about here the as the, the Aristotelian model was epitomized in the way I taught my son to make his bed in the morning. And the idea was not to have a made bed, but to have him become the kind of person who makes his bed in the morning. You see, it's the development of a certain kind of character trait. It's not, the outcome isn't just in the neatness of the room. It's the outcome is in someone who has certain kinds of routines and habits and pays a certain kind of attention to things, takes care of them in a certain way. This is a very Aristotelian idea. Uh, it's not about uh, suppressing or um, getting rid of his uh, innate childish irresponsibility or, uh, uh, you know, improper desires of any kind. It's a matter of developing habits. And seeing him as somebody who is not a blank slate, but has certain capacities that will only emerge with practice and in certain kind of encouragement and a certain kind of modeling uh, uh, by a mentor figure. So Siegel's uh, point is, uh, first of all, that we need to get a little more emotionally honest or realistic about what we're doing and how we're practicing. I didn't want to leave uh, the picture, though, there as if it was simply a choice between these two alternatives, the positive or the negative, because I think there's a third position, which um, in that kind of, uh, using that kind of mathematical metaphor, the third position is one that neither adds or subtracts, but leaves everything just as it is. And this practice is uh, religious in a different kind of way, uh, in which what we're focusing on is experiencing or being present or in a certain language, seeing the absolute in everything just as it is, regardless of content. Nothing has to be taken away. Nothing has to be developed. We simply have to be present to what is. This is the perspective from which Zazen is useless. And I do think that if the risk of the traditional 
uh, renunciant version is a kind of uh, spiritual anorexia, a kind of uh, starving ourselves one way or another into what we think of as spirituality, a subtraction of all sorts of aspects of our humanity that we think are uh, disturbing or disruptive. And the downside of the develop excuse me, the developmental model being a kind of instrumentalization of practice into a um, kind of perpetual self-improvement project. Then the third position is one that wants to do away both with this kind of renunciation and with the uh, self-improvement and the capacity to stay with or rest in life as it is. The downside there would be a kind of uh, complacency or a do-nothing Buddhism, uh, a uh, failure to see the necessity of practice. When we turn to the reading from Joko today, I think what we'll see is that if the third uh, position is represented by a Soto notion of just sitting, uh, Joko takes that in a somewhat different direction, uh, basically saying we have to try to just sit but our practice is to see over and over again how we can't do it or how we don't want to do it, how that our uh, basic stance in life is complaining. <laughs> and that's a, uh, a word she uses for our rejection of the moment, of finding something wrong with it over and over and over again. There's something wrong with us and how we feel or how we think. There's something wrong about how we're sitting, where we're sitting, or who we're sitting with, or living with, or in relationship with. And our life is just one continual uh, judgment or rejection. And it's only through an honest uh, uh, acknowledgement of that stance uh, that we can ever approach anything that is uh, genuinely like just sitting. Now, the w one thing I uh, wanted to emphasize uh, in how I think somewhat differently than Siegel is that he presented this is a kind of historical development or a historical alternative that Buddhists in the past tended to think this way, but now uh, modern Buddhists inevitably, whether they admit it or not, tend to think this other way. And it was a kind of um, picture of a historical progression. And what I wanted to leave people with instead was a way in which these different models are all pr 
present in our practice in one way or another, in one dimension or another. Uh, they can represent different kinds of self-states or different kinds of ways we practice. Uh, Max Erdstein made the point that every time we put aside an hour to sit and close the door, we're engaging in a mini version of home leaving. And, uh, we take different aspects of each one of these pictures and move back and forth with it in our own mind, in our own practice. And part of what we wanted to do in that weekend was try to look at which metaphors uh, were in the foreground for us uh, personally, what in the, which were in the background, and how we could profitably uh, move between them. So I will leave that uh, thought with you, and we can continue it in the discussion later.